All right, we're going to get to God's word today. Um, we're going to be in Genesis 17. I can never remember how to hold this. Is it, am, I, am I right here, Jobin? Okay, sorry. It's been a long time since my Pentecostal days. Uh, we'll be in Genesis 17. We're going to continue our series, The Difficult Journey of Faith. So if you want to follow along, you can turn to 17. I'll have some of the verses up here. And we're looking at this because Abraham's difficult journey of faith teaches us what it looks like to live a life of faith. And the Bible teaches us the way that we please God is through living a life of faith. So we want to see what this looks like. Now today we're going to look at a conversation, once again, between God and Abram. And when it's going to be the third time that God is going to make a promise to Abram that he will be the father of many nations. Because you remember up until then, him and his wife have not been able to have kids. And in here we're going to see some powerful lessons about who, is, who God is to us and the impact it has on how we see ourselves. So let's read the first part of chapter 17 uh, in Genesis. Verse 1, when Abram was, Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell down, face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful, and you will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God, to be your God and the God of your offspring, offspring after you. Verse 8, and to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. This is so much harder with a microphone. All right, so today, as we get into Genesis 17, we only read the first nine verses, or many, there's 20-something verses in there. Uh, we're going to talk about names. We're talking about our names. Every single one of us has a few things in common, and one of them is that we all have names. We all have first names. We all have last names. Most of us have middle names. I don't think everybody has middle names anymore, but most of us. And these names are critical to everything that we do. I mean, in your life, every time you fill out any document for anything online or on paper, what are the first thing you put? Your name. First time that you meet somebody new, what is the first piece of information that you share with them? Your name. It's critical to our lives. It's a, a key identifier for us. But our names are important beyond just being an identifier. They have meaning to us. In fact, one person said that, uh, one author said this, our names are the sweetest and most important sound to us. And studies have proven the power of using somebody's name. It makes us feel important when we hear our name heard. We feel more connected to that person. We're more likely to want to listen to that person. We're more likely to want to be involved and help that person. Even when we're wearing a name tag and they're not sly about it and you know they're bending over reading it, it still makes a positive impact when people use our names. Now, we also have other kinds of names that we are given that have a huge impact in our lives. We are given nicknames. 
We've been given nicknames. Like when I was a, I ran a softball team for many years, uh, and my nickname was Padre, uh, which means father. Uh, they did this because I was a pastor, and two, because they acted like a bunch of children, and I would always have to wrangle them and discipline them uh, because they were a bunch of guys, and you know how a bunch of guys get together when they play sports. Uh, I, th- I had paused for a moment, uh, and I thought maybe there'd be a good point in the sermon to have people yell out some of the nicknames they've had in their lives, but then I realized I don't really trust all of you enough not to share names that are not kosher for a Sunday morning service, so you guys can do that in the coffee house afterwards. Uh, now, we also have other kinds of names beyond nicknames. We have people who uh, ascribe adjectives uh, to us to describe us. Uh, they could be positive terms like funny, uh, handsome, uh, genius. I'm just using ones that people have described to me. You might have your own, right? Your own names that they, they use to describe you. Thank you for not laughing too hard at that. <coughs> Unfortunately, in our lives, it, all too often, we are given names that are not positive. You know, for example, you'll have sometimes a, a father who calls him, calls him son, hey, stupid, uh, or we have kids who refer to other kids in school and geeks and nerds and all these derogatory names. I bet it probably would not take you long if I went around and asked each of you to share hurtful names that have been used to describe you that it still stings you to this day. And we have many people in our lives that speak these kind of names to us. You know, it could be our parents, uh, other family members, kids we go to school with. That was a hotbed of horrible names. Uh, people on our sports teams, coworkers, people on the internet now, friends, our, our enemies, people in our community. And depending on who you listen to in your life, they can have a huge impact on how you see yourself. And it can carry with you your entire life. Some of you sitting here today, you are still impacted and directed by names that you were called when you were just a child. It can lead to feelings of of shame, uh, of humiliation, make us feel worthless and and alone. We can be more likely to give up and not believe that God can do things through us that we read in the Bible. We we can get so stuck on who we are and what people have called us that we never give a a chance to be becoming the, the person that God has called us to. You know, and I was, as I was working on this message, I was like, I wonder why we give people that kind of authority in our lives. I mean, why, what does somebody call us that's not true, why does it have such an impact on us? I mean, I think of some of the names that I got called in school, and it hurt me. And, you know, and, and it doesn't mean we're human, so things are going to hurt us, but it would drag me down, and I would struggle with that identity. And as I look back now at some of the buffoons that were calling me names, they were just kids like me. They were mean. They had their own insecurities, their own struggles. So why did I give them such authority in my life? Because you think about it. When somebody calls you something... And you take on that identity and you let that fear of being that and and it affect you the way that you talk and that you act. You're ascribing authority to them. You're saying, man, you, you know your stuff and you have the power to see this and to perceive this and speak this into my life. 
Now, we would never say that out loud, but the way we react to it is true. The way we allow it to affect us and direct our lives. Now, obviously, we don't have that authority. People don't have that authority, but it's easy for us to forget that, and we need to be reminded that there is only one who has the authority to name us. I mean, look here, when God appears to Abram, the first thing he does is he reminds Abram of who he is. In verse 1, he says, I am God Almighty. Could have just said, I'm God. Could have just said, I'm the Lord. But he says, reminds Abram, I am God Almighty. In Hebrew, that reads El Shaddai, which means to have complete and utter power. You might remember Amy Grant. She made this name of God popular in the 80s with the song of the same name. God is saying to Abram, I am the only voice that matters. In the same way, and through Abram, he wants to say to us today, I am the only voice that matters. First Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. It's important for us to remember the authority of God because we all have this deep-seated longing to know who we are, to know what we are worth, and we spend an entire lifetime searching for it. We're looking around this world asking somebody, tell me who I am, tell me what I'm worth, tell me that I value, what I'm valued as, what my purpose is, somebody tell me. Now, obviously, I think the reason that we're searching for that is because of sin, we lost it. Because of sin, we lost the idea of who we are. And so we're in search of it again. And so through Abraham, God has reminded us that he has the only right, the only authority to tell us who we are. In fact, Paul, when he's in praying for the Ephesian church, in Ephesians 3, he says, every name on earth, every person on earth derives their name from God. And he's talking about our identity, that that if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and this is really who this message is primary for, that you are now a part of God's family. See, when you don't have your faith in Jesus, then you're bouncing around from one person to another, from one fad to another, from one job to another, from one thing to another, trying to figure out what you're worth and what you're valued. And you're looking for anybody to pour into you. And yet none of them have authority because they are all lost in searching themselves. But when your faith is in Christ, you know you have one to look to. The one who has utter and complete power. It makes life very simple. Because I only got one voice to listen to. The question is whether I will listen to it or not. So let me ask you, when you look in the mirror in the mornings, when you think about yourself, whose voice do you hear? Is it the voice of some parent who was not healthy themselves and spoke some wrong things into you? Is it the voice of the world that tells you you ought to be something other than you are? It's the voice from your child of people who are mean to you. I mean, what voice do you listen to? Or are you listening to the voice of the Lord? The God Almighty. Which voice are you listening to?
Some of you need to hear this today. God says to you, like he said to Abram, I am the Lord God Almighty, and I am the only voice that matters. Are you listening to his voice? And this is really important even for our young people, especially when you get in those early teen years and you start to separate yourself from your parents. You're trying to figure out your identity. Who am I? What am I going to do? And you start looking in all the wrong places for it, usually your friends, at least I did. More important than ever, it's in these moments for you to understand that God is the only voice to listen to because when you listen to the wrong voice, and you let the wrong people have that authority to tell you who you are. It sets you on a completely wrong trajectory. And I tell you, young people, if you're here today and you were to sit here and talk to a lot of these adults here, including myself, they'll tell you what a mistake that is to listen to any voice but the voice of the Lord. Adults, can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now, the problem is with a message like this, no, let me rephrase that. The problem is, and why a message like this is needed, is because... We, we struggle to see that value in ourselves that God does. We might even just be like, you know, I know, I know that God is the only voice that matters, and I know he says this, this, and this in his word about me, and I just struggle to see it. I mean, here's some of the names that he calls a Christian in the Bible. A son or daughter of the Most High. Beloved, treasured possession, workmanship, out of the Greek word poema. It means like a poem, a piece of art, a masterpiece, a saint, a priest, a citizen of heaven. Do you see yourself in these ways? In your heart, in your mind, when you're thinking about yourself, is this how you see yourself? I say most of us would struggle with this. I know I do because we tend to see all the lack in ourselves. We tend to see all the ugly in ourselves. We tend to see all of our sin, all the times that we fail God. We all struggle. And that's why I'm really excited like for this next point that I want to make because if you can grasp your hands around this point and make it a part of your heart and your mind, it like sets you free. It will set you free like nothing else. And here's what it is. I want you to notice something about what God is doing here. This name change that God is giving to Abraham, it's not focused on who he is, but on who he's going to be. Look at this, verse 5 and 6. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. And I will make you extremely fruitful, and you will make nations and kings come from you. Now, does it say in verse 7 in this moment that a baby suddenly appeared in Abraham's arms? Did the stark time its flyover like the Jets over a football game and just drop the baby at the right moment? No. But God changed his name as if it already had happened. God changed his name as if the baby was in his arms. This is the beautiful part. It is the same with us. 
Our name is not based on the present and who we are at the moment in our totality because we're not always living it out like we should. I mean, when you walk around throughout the week, I'm sure there are several times in your life where saint is probably the last word that could be used for you. Priest. A priest doesn't use the kind of words you probably used in the middle of the week or think the kind of things that you think. There are times where I don't feel like any of these things. But our name is based on a promise. It's based on who we are going to be. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. When you look in the mirror, the freedom comes when you stop seeing yourself for as who you are and you start seeing yourself for who you're going to become. This separates the person who is crushed when people treat them poorly and call them the wrong things. Who, uh, who separates the person who gets crushed by their sin and their mistakes and by the person who still is hurt by people's words, but it doesn't dominate them, it doesn't enslave them, who still sins, who still makes mistakes, but they're not defined by those sins and mistakes. I mean, when you, if you've had a child and you name your child usually when they're born, do they understand their name right away? Nope. Can they write their name right away? No. Do they even, they don't even understand it. They can't even say it. So do we take it away from them? Well, that obviously name didn't stick because you didn't live it out. No. No, because we know that will come in time. This is who you're going to be. When I'm looking in the mirror at my life, when I'm thinking about who I am, and my eyes are not on the Lord, my emotions are a roller coaster. When I do things well and I get it right, I'm all, oh, I'm high. And then when I mess it up and I get it wrong and I'm low, back and forth, like a boat without a rudder just tossed to and fro in the sea. But when I'm reminded of things that God is doing, like this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this prayer that he gave Paul to the Thessalonian church, he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you faithful, he will surely do it. God's told me who I'm going to be. By his strength and by his power, he's told me who I'm going to be. I'm going to get there. This is what he sees in me. And when I understand that in my life, it gives me hope that rises above the highs and the lows of, of when I'm following him well and when I'm not. Because like, this is who Christ says I am. This is who God says I am. It's verses like this that remind me. And we need those in our lives. 
We all need reminders. In fact, this is why, why we struggle so much with this. If you do, it's because we often are not reminding ourselves about who God says we're going to be. We sit there, and, we, and I, I love this quote. We spend too much time thinking, uh, thinking and pondering, and we don't spend enough time you know, in our minds. We don't spend enough time speaking to ourselves. Pouring God's word into ourselves to remind us. I mean, look what Paul, what God does here with Abraham, okay? He instructs Abraham to do something. I'm gonna read the passage for you. It's like a reminder, something that, we'll, that we really don't, as Christians today, I don't think we have this kind of dedication, but he says, God, here's something I want you to do so you never forget this promise. I'm starting in verse nine. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your offspring after you, that every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Verse 13, both he who is in your, born in your house and he who is, is bought with your money, oh, I'm reading it again, shall certainly be circumcised. Shall, shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant? Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, I'm going to really hope and assume that most of you know what circumcision is because I really do not want to go into detail about it. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to get snippy. It's just, you know, (laughs) tough to preach about because it's a really cutting issue. Um... Yeah, that joke's like a fine wine. It just keeps getting better with time. (sighs) But seriously, why circumcision? Like when I read that today, I'm like, could they not have done a tattoo? (laughs) Something of that nature? It just seems like a bit much. And the reason I think that circumcision was called for by God is that it reminded man in a way that he always belonged to God. His body, his soul, and his spirit. That, like, that even in the most intimate moments of his life, the things that were never seen by others, the things that would go behind closed doors, that part must belong to God also. It was to serve as a reminder. God knows how easy it is for us to forget. We need to be reminded. Now, praise God. God does not call us to circumcise the flesh anymore because I feel like we'd have a lot less men turning to Jesus in their adult life. Uh, you know, and now we see things like baptism and other signs that we do. He still calls us to a circumcision, to, though, but it's a little different. It's inside our hearts. Let me read for you Colossians chapter 2. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been bur- buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. 
This means that when you put your faith in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, he starts to cut away the sinful nature in you. Circumcision now is like it's a matter of the heart. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he begins to do a work in you. But we have to remind ourselves. Imagine if you, the, the first time you ever saw your social security card, you never looked at that again. And unless you had a photographic memory, you wouldn't remember all those digits. And you wouldn't ever remember when you needed to the most. We need to be reminded of who we are. This is why, like almost every sermon, I'm talking about the importance of coming to church. Because this is where we learn who we are. This is why we pray. We set aside times in our lives to pray. You know, usually the best times in the morning. But whenever you're able to do it, and what it is, is an act of saying, Lord, you are the Almighty. I'm taking out this time to listen to your voice. These are why our Bible studies are important. Because as we're pouring out our hearts and we're sharing our struggles, we have other people in our lives to remind us about who God says we are. This is why we open up the Bible and we read his words to be reminded of what God Almighty says about us and the work that he's doing in us. This is why we take time to memorize scripture so that we may take every thought captive. So when that voice comes in, it says, you're worthless. You're no good. We stop in the moment and say, uh-uh. Ephesians 2.10 says, I am God's workmanship. Workmanship. Shut up, Satan. Shut up, voices, wherever they're coming from. That's not true. Too many of us, we sit around, we listen to the worthless too long because we're not equipped with God's word in that moment. This is why we come and sing. We don't sing songs just because we love to hear our voices because most of us can't sing. Few of you sound pretty beautiful, though. We come to sing out in a chorus to be reminded, to proclaim who God is, and to hear the voices of those around us as they sing out, as they proclaim it, encourages us to remember to look to God. These are the necessary tools God has created for us to help us remember who he is and who he says we are. Are you remembering? And if you are struggling with understanding who your name is in Christ, is it possible that one of the reasons for that is you are not doing the things that you need to do to remember? And if that is the case, I'm praying God places in your heart right now, in your mind right now, he's saying, here's what you need to do to remember that you're not doing. You can see it. He brings it to you. And you make a plan to start reminding yourself that you get someone in your life who can come alongside you and help remind you that you need those reminders. Amen? So God is the one who is almighty. He is the one that only is the only one who has the power and the authority to tell us who we are and who we are not. And it's based on a promise of who he is creating us to become. That will be made perfect on the day that we see our Lord and Savior. But until that time, because of sin, we need reminders in our lives. That's what we've seen so far. Now, I'm going to summarize the rest of the chapter for you. God tells Abraham, this birth is going to take place in a year. Get, you know, get to your registry, baby is our us, because it's coming. He also tells Abraham, I'm changing your wife's name, just like I'm changing yours. She's no longer to be called Sarai. She will now be called Sarah. And this son will come through her. 
And this surprises Abraham. Not, and he laughs, not like in a mocking way, but like in a joyful way, like to say, man, how can God work this through a woman who is beyond her years? And then the most important part of this, it tells us in scripture that after this, he went and did what God said. He and all the men in his house were circumcised. This is how you know that you're starting to believe God's voice over everybody else's. Right here. You put your faith in him and his word. God said, I'm going to make you the fathers of every na- many nations. Now go circumcise yourself as a sign of the promise I've made to you. And Abraham's like, I believe God. And so he went and got circumcised. That's faith. <laughs> Greater faith than most of us know. Christ said we need to become like children in our faith. To have the faith like a child. You know, and I was thinking about Ella again. When, I, when we started telling Ella what her name was, she did not ask for a birth certificate. She didn't ask for her social security card to get evidence. She just started referring to herself as Ella in the third person, which was very adorable. Why? Because even though she doesn't understand faith, she has faith in her mom and dad. Oh, they say I'm Ella. I'm Ella. And Abraham said, if God says I'm Abraham, then I'm Abraham. To me, he says, if he says to me, you're a son of God, I'm a son of God. But let's be very clear, because I want to make sure, we have far too many people out there who are like, yeah, I'm a Christian, that's my title. And yet they don't follow the Lord. It'd be like Abraham saying, yes, I am Abraham, and then not going and getting circumcised. How you live your life shows what you believe in. You know, like if, if I told you all, my name is Jeff Riley, and then I, and then, but I go and I sign all my documents, Mark Smith, and all my emails say Mark Smith, and my Facebook page says Mark Smith, who do I really believe? What do I really believe my name is? Mark Smith. In the same way, if we call ourselves a Christian, a son or a daughter of God, and yet we're not following him, then we don't really believe God is almighty. We don't really believe he has naming rights. God is either almighty in every area of your life or none of your life. You know, I was thinking of the song that we sang, like our third song today, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. We're in a problem now in our day and age, in our world, where nobody wants to surrender to God anymore. Even, even in all of these issues about pronouns and all of this stuff, the, the single thread I keep seeing is, I get to choose who I am. I get to choose who I am. It's making the same mistake of when we allow other people to choose who we are beyond God. We are not looking to the only one who has authority to say who I am. I wonder how our lives, how this world would look different if our question now become, who does God say I am? 
That simple question would change our world, but not just the world outside out there. It would change the world inside here. So what are my prayers for this? I had so many, I didn't even know which to choose. I'm like, God, help me, help me to know like, for each service what to tell them. And, and I think for you guys, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this. I, I, I want you to understand who you are in Christ. I want you to understand. I pray, God, that it will awaken to you all the areas of your life where your decisions and your emotions and your thought processes are directed by someone other than God. I pray like Lord will just give you revelation in your life. And you'll ask him, for Lord, show me what parts of me are looking or, or are based on somebody else's speaking into my life other than you. Now, we should have people speaking to our lives, but they should be speaking God's word into our lives. And then as those come into your mind, and I mean, you will take time to sit down and to pray with this. And even if you think you're good, I guarantee you there's probably something that you're missing, that you will start grabbing scriptures into your life to remind yourself of who he says you are so that you may be equipped every time one of those other names that is not your name comes in, you're able to shoot it down. That you will take every thought captive, as we talked about earlier. Listen, if you, I'm very serious about this. If you walk out of here and you don't apply these things, then nothing changes. And you continue to be a slave to some other name that God did not give you. And I think finally, I want you to think about your role of speaking God's name into other people's lives. Parents, that with your children, that you, you're one of your greatest goals and main objectives, even when they're adults and out of the house, is to remind them that God is almighty and to remind them what he says about who they are. Because as they get out of the house or even when they're in the house, they struggle with who they are and who to listen to. It is our job as parents to point them to the only voice that matters. That we'll have the courage in the church and around other family members and, and just people that God gives us to influence to remind them when they're speaking things about themselves that not of God's words, that we'd lovingly show them, no, 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 that's not what God says. That we may be one of the tools that God uses to remind them of who they really are in Christ or who they can be if they do not yet know Christ. And I also think... My hope is we start looking at each other for who we're going to be. One of the big differences I see in all the time I do marriage counseling that help couples either grow or not grow is when a husband and wife is able to see each other for who God can make them become, for who they can become as they grow and they mature. Even if there's literally no signs of growth or maturity, as my wife experienced with me for our first several years of marriage. So God's made this promise that if they put their faith in Christ, God's working on them. So I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep seeing them that way for who they can become so I don't lose hope. Where in your life have you lost hope for somebody because you're not seeing them for who they can become in Christ? It's far too easy. 
God's the only one that has the authority to name us, to give us our identity. And he's good at it. He called when we're a sinner, we're a sinner. He calls us out. When we put our faith in Christ, he says, you're my son or daughter of God. That doesn't mean you get it perfect. But it doesn't, when you're not perfect, it doesn't change who you are. Because we're going to see Abraham screw it up yet again in a couple chapters. And yet, it doesn't change. Why? Because God said, this is what I'm going to do. It's independent of you. I just want you to respond to my name. I want you to believe that my words matter more than any others. And I want you to start to live like it. I pray we all do. Amen. Father, I pray this morning, I pray for all of us. Every one of us has people in our lives that have spoken to our lives and we carry this identity around.